Good morning, Renfrew. I, I, I hope you've enjoyed this, this sermon series. I know that for some of us, we start to look at that, that kind of journey of, okay, what, what does this really mean? Where are we headed? There's actually a systematic way that, that we've been progressing. You know, we started in confession, and confession happens in community. It actually strengthens our community. As we come out of that communal aspect of, of confession, it moves to guidance, and we need the community who helps us, that gives us guidance, which then we move to solitude. It's almost like we take a step back into solitude coming out of that guidance. And then we, we understand always in solitude who God is. And last week, Pastor Trent talked to us about simplicity. It's just that reminder that Jesus declared to his disciples, don't take anything along. Don't get distracted as you walk this journey. Now the interesting piece is today we're talking about fasting. And I can just hear all the groans that have happened in your homes. Let's pray. And as we pray, we're going to ask God to actually give us kind of a new perspective on fasting. You maybe have heard it, you maybe experienced it, you've maybe even went, I've been there, done that, and I don't want it. So let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to open up God's word, your word to my friends. This has been a, a great service. We've laughed. We've interacted in community over the internet in a way that we never thought was possible. We've declared truths to who you are, and now we get the privilege of learning about who you are. May you stop the noise that's in our life and the noise that is even in our houses so that we could hear your words. We ask all this in your name. Amen. You know, the, the, the rise of, of fast food in the 60s and 70s, the now skip the dishes or Uber Eats, have really taken uh, food and how we consume food to a, a new place in, in human history. You know, access to just about any kind of food on demand has really positioned food as an idol to many of us. Now, there's nothing wrong with us enjoying a good meal. If you were coming to the Wilkes household today, in the crock pot before I left, there's roast beef. Uh, there's some dinner rolls that are being made. But unfortunately, food can become an idol to many of us, an idol of, of choice. Fasting reminds us that, that God is still on the throne of our life. It's a spiritual discipline. You know, for some of us, the food piece is this. I need it at a certain time in a certain way. Our love affair with, with food may be the reason that there's so much writing of, on fasting in the last hundred years. There's tons of books on, on what to eat, how to cook, how to diet, how to buy food. But if we go back to our book, the Bible, the Bible actually refers to a lot of, of passages on abstaining from food. 
Biblical fasting always centers on spiritual purposes. The, the spiritual list of people who, who fasted is actually a, a who's who, maybe a hall of fame of, of biblical characters that we're familiar with. Moses, David, Elijah, Esther, Daniel, Anna, Paul, and of course, Jesus. And then if we looked at, at the Christian history that we've had, Many great Christians throughout the history of the church have fasted and witnessed to its value, talked about it. Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, John Wesley, and Jonathan Edwards. In Scripture, the normal means of fasting actually means to abstain from all food, but not from water. We recognize that with Jesus in the wilderness in Luke chapter 4. But sometimes in Scripture, there's a partial fast. Uh, there's a restriction of diet, but not a total or a complete absence of food. For instance, Daniel in Daniel chapter 10 said this, that he ate no delicacies. He ate no wheat, meat or wine. He didn't anoint himself at all. Now, Daniel might have taken uh, this fast because of the circumstances. He was in the, the royal court. He was a government official. They didn't allow him at that time to take a complete fast. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I actually want you to go to Isaiah 58. We're going to spend a ton of time in Isaiah 58. We're going to look at verses 1 through 8, and then we're going to later look at verses 9 through 12. Look at verse 1. Shout it out loud. Don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants uh, of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me, just for decisions. They seem eager for God to come near them. Verse 3, Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other. Uh, with wicked fists, you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor worker with shelter? When you see the naked, to, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. 
You know, fasting has, has been a practice in the, in the Christian church. This isn't something that's new. Fasting and prayer are always linked together. In Luke chapter 2, verse 36, we're, we're told of this prophetess, Anna, who is an 84-year-old widow. I love her, the description of her. She never, she never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. Here's really the key. And if you hear nothing else, I want you to hear this. Fasting is about improving our relationship to God. Fasting is not intended to, to punish our flesh, but to put our focus on God. Fasting is not just giving up food. Christian fasting is a way of living and thinking. It's a way of living and thinking. You know, we see that from the passage that we just read, and we're going to unpack that for the next few minutes. Keep your Bibles open to that Isaiah 58. You know, in verse 3, we, we see that the people start to complain to God, why do we fast? Do you not see? Why do we humble ourselves? Do you not notice? They were angry with God because God didn't seem to be responding to their fasting and their prayers and their sacrifice. They thought, God, you should take notice of what we're doing. They thought, God, you owe us because we've done all this religious stuff. God's answer to them was that they combined their religious observances, their prayers and their fasting, their going to church, their reading their Bible with a life that was completely immoral. And that wasn't acceptable to God. In verse 3, it, it said this, You serve your own interests on fast day. You oppress all the workers. You talk about fasting. You talk about praying. And you're being so religious. But you're exploring, you're exploiting your own people. Well, look down at verse 4. Verse 4, God says, You're quarreling and fighting. Such fasting as you do today will not make your, your voice heard on high. The Israelites, and if we're really honest, it's like us. We have this idea that, that fasting and, and prayer, if I do the right thing, it can manipulate God. God would, would end up doing what I want because I worship God. God is looking at these Israelites and saying, I'm not going to have any of that. God emphasizes, and, and you need to catch this with fasting. I'm trying to paint a different picture for you with fasting. God emphasizes that a true fast focus on, focuses on manifesting or demonstrating or showing God's presence to others. The lesson here, just simply from this verse 3 and 4 is, what we do actually makes a difference. And you and I are responsible for what we do. We all have abilities. We all have potential. And God, has, God holds us accountable to our potential, to our abilities. We're responsible to God for the way that we live our lives. In verse 5, God asks the Israelites this pretty serious question. What kind of fast do you think I want? God says, do you think I want a fast in which you humble yourselves and bow down like some kind of weed in the wind? 
Do you think I want to see the sackcloth come out? Do you think I want to see you covered with ashes? God says, I don't want a religious show. In verse 6, God says, I want this kind of fast. I want a fast that fights against injustice. A fast that, that takes the oppressed and brings them back into dignity. The Lord calls us to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Isaiah says this, God knows by the way that we act. Verse 7 speaks of us sharing our bread with the hungry and our homes with the homeless. That's a true fast, to feed the hungry, to help those that are in need. The point is, my fasting has nothing to do with you. Sorry, the point is, my fasting has to do with you. It has to do with your pain, with your injustice, with the yoke that is oppressing you, the suffering you're feeling. My fast has to do with sharing my life with you when you're in need. My fast has to do with my neighbors, my city, my world. My fast has to do with the ones that are on my doorstep who find themselves homeless and fearful and without hope. You see a line that comes up on your screen right now. It's interesting that my fasting is really about others. I think for so long we've embraced the, the fasting is for me, but really what fasting does is it's really about others. James follows this theme up in James chapter 2, verse 14, where he says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters? If you say you have faith but do not have works, can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and, and lacks daily food and one of you says to him, go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet do not supply their needs, what good is it? So faith by itself, it, if it has no works, is, is dead. But someone will say, someone will say this, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I by my works will show you my faith. Fasting always puts our focus on others, not myself. Well, let's continue in that passage of scripture from Isaiah. Verse 8, let's catch up there and then we're going to read 9 through 12. God answering their question says, Then the, your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear, and your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Verse 9, Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and the malicious talk and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday verse 11 the lord will guide you always he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land he will strengthen your frame you will be like a well-watered garden like a spring whose waters never fail then verse 12, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins 
and will rise up the age-old foundations. And you will be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of streets with dwellings. So let, let's go back. What is the, what's the purpose of fasting? Why do we do it? What can I hope to accomplish? I love what Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 9.27 when he says this, I strike a, a, a blow to my body. I make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for that prize. Paul's talking about what we all struggle with, our flesh. Paul said, I, I got to keep my body in check. What I want to do compared to what God wants to do is very different. So how does fasting illuminate who we are, like Paul? I want you to think back for a second to, to Isaiah 58. God is simply asking us this question this morning. Is this the kind of fast? Is this the kind of life that I want from you? Our works, our words don't impress God. Faith impresses God. If you're trying to please him with works, you're going to fail. If you're trying to please him by saying the right things, you will fail. If you're trying to put on a show, you will fail. Romans 4 verse 2, the author says, If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to, to boast about, just not before God. We sometimes think that there's some formula. All we have to do is just push the right buttons. And God will move. It doesn't work that way. There's some godly principles here from Isaiah and from what we know of of Scripture. Sowing and reaping. We can't reap until we sow. This puts us in a place where we have to be the receiver. You have to give first in order to be a receiver. We can't harvest until we're planted. You see, God is requiring this. Well, why? God's requiring this so we can actually get in a place where we can receive from Him. If we're not receiving from Him, it means we have to put ourselves into a place where we can actually receive from Him. Guess what does that in 2020? Fasting. James 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, James wasn't talking specifically about fasting. He was talking about submission. He knows that you and I can't be receptive if we actually don't submit. That's one of the purposes of of fasting. Submission. Generally, you and I can deny the flesh. And as we deny the flesh, sometimes we get distracted. God wants fasting to enable us to actually have our spiritual antennas up. What God wants is, can you hear me? You know, a God-led fast has a purpose. It's God's purpose. A God-led fast always has positive outcomes. He wants his will to be accomplished, not only in us individually, but also us collectively. Many times God will lead us as individuals or us as a church into a specific time where we should fast. 
Romans 12, we started this service with this verse. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is how we worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing. The renewing part comes in fasting so that we'll be able to test. We actually know what God's will is. I know that I've been led at times and I always didn't know what God wanted till later. Acts 13, 1 through 3, we see this story of, of, of some characters that we're familiar with. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. There was Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manian, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. I want you to notice the condition that the Holy Spirit spoke. They were given a, a clear direction for their call. They were anointed to accomplish a, a certain task that God had sent them to accomplish. These men were already accomplished ministers. They could have been satisfied with, with what they had. Hey, look, we already have a lot of influence. But God had more for them. You'll notice if you kept reading in, in chapter 14, when it was talking about them, it suddenly calls them in chapter 14 apostles. Paul didn't start off as an apostle. Remember the, the good and acceptable and perfect will? They wanted to fulfill that perfect will of God in their lives. So they went about fasting and worshiping and waiting on God. Have you ever stopped to consider what would have happened to Paul and Barnabas if they had not taken the time to wait on God? To seek him, to avail themselves of him? You and I have a part to play in this. Well, that might beg the question, is fasting for everyone? We could go back and forth. This has been debated, debated for, by scholars for centuries. The short answer is this, that fasting is an important spiritual discipline that Jesus assumed his followers would practice. Matthew 6, 16. However, Jesus warned about allowing this practice to become, an, and I'm going to give you a great Bible school word, perfunctory, perfunctory, which simply means perfunctory, little effort, or legalistic. Doesn't that sound like some of our efforts? He didn't require his disciples to fast in the same way that some of his contemporaries did. There's some of us that can't fast for personal or medical reasons. These Christians, these Christ followers, shouldn't be made to feel inferior because look at me, I can fast. Don't use fasting as a badge of spirituality. Jesus talked to his disciples about that. Well, this is all good, Matt. Can you help me just understand what are the reasons that I need to consider going on a biblical, uh, on a, on a Bible-based fast. You maybe saw the, the title of this 
sermon was fasting as a feast. Well, here's those reasons that I really think fasting needs to be a part of our life. And as we come into it, we'll actually understand that it's a feast. The very first one, it centers us on God. This is the first and and probably most important motive. The first time that fasting is mentioned in the New Testament, it's addressing an issue of, of motive. You have to get this right. Whatever, what other personal benefits that you're going to receive from fasting, God has to be first and the ultimate end in your fasting. God questioned the, the people through the prophet Zechariah. God said this, Ask all the people of the land and priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seven months for the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? If our fasting is not for God, then it's failed. John Wesley wrote this, First, let it be fasting done until the Lord with our eyes singly focused on him. Let our intentions herein be this and this alone to glorify our Father which is in heaven. Here's the second thing that fasting actually does. It it reveals the things that control us. It may not be food, but forces will always creep into our lives and start to control us. Fasting will reveal all those little habits that we once enjoyed but now have a hold on us. We cover up what is inside with food and and other good things, but in fasting, these things always surface. If pride controls us, guess what? In fasting, it will be revealed. Anger, bitterness, jealousy, strife, fear, whatever it is, When those hunger pains hit, God will direct you to the little things that are controlling you. Reflect on what he's showing you. Here's the third thing that fasting does. It reminds us that God is our sustainer. Fasting reminds us that we're sustained by every good word that comes out of the mouth of God. Food does not sustain us. God sustains us. In Christ, all things are held together. Therefore, and experiences of fasting. We are not so much abstaining from food as we're feasting on God's word. Fasting is feasting. And here's the final one. It helps us keep balanced in life. It's easy. It's easy for the non-essentials to take over our lives. We can easily crave things that we really don't need that just enslave us. That's why the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 said, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do everything or anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Fasting keeps all those human cravings in its proper place. It reminds us that that we need to be focused to prune the tree of our life and maintain proper balance and control. David wrote this in Psalm 35. He said, I afflicted myself with fasting. David's not talking about self-harm, but he's talking about a discipline of pruning that that which isn't Jesus is going to be removed and true freedom will be found. 
Jesus said this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Fasting always leads us into deeper truth. Let's pray. God, thank you for the reminder in my own life of the importance of fasting. It's not simply just giving up food. It's not even just simply for my benefit. It's for me to align my heart with your heart. God, may that Isaiah 58 passage ring true in our minds. That our our fasting actually allows us to see others and to see you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Matt. Like so many of these past weeks, we've been reviewing these spiritual disciplines and then encouraging you to a, a workout plan of some kind. This one, I think, is, leans pretty straightforward. I would encourage you to choose to have a food fast. A lot of times we package fasting as, oh, I'll, I'll not do this thing or I'll take away from this thing. And we, have, we actually have a, a lot of reasons to not eat because we love food. We need food. It's required. But then it, we prop it up. Uh, and fasting, as Matt said, is, it's revealing. It, it exposes things in our lives and in our hearts. Um, and so I would encourage you to, by faith, ask the Lord, Lord, should I fast from food? How do I do that? If you have questions about that, questions for discernment to figure out what that might look like, how many days or how many meals or what does this look like, I strongly encourage you to talk to Matt or myself. Um, Both of us have fasted in our lives and have studied it and learned a lot about it in different areas. And so we just encourage you uh, to take this opportunity to grow in your walk with the Lord through fasting. Now, may you go with the power of the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Father, uh, and the forgiveness and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go this week. Amen. Amen.